Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Something New Every Week with your host, me, Jason Group. Each week I'm going to give you something new that's happening in our photographic world, just some great conversations with my friends, and what's going on right now. Something New Every Week is sponsored by Miller's Lab. Miller's Professional Imaging is the largest professional lab organization in the United States. They provide professional prints and press products for professional photographers in all 50 states and Canada. And they're just a great company. If you don't know them, go check them out, millerslab.com. Here we are, this week's episode of Something New Every Week. Ding, ding, ding! Everyone who knows this man should know who I'm talking about. This week on Something New Every Week, I have my good friend, Mike Ridiger, better known as Dinger. Yep. Dinger, say hello. Hello, everybody. <laughs> uh, I got to know Mike via After Dark and all of the conferences that... Uh, we enjoyed going to over the years. Uh, you were always one of the mentors there and have been um, around in this industry longer than me, I believe, uh, which is hard to say. <laughs> it's been a long, time. <laughs> it's been a long, long time. So we're going to kind of focus on that a little bit and, and career and longevity, staying, uh, staying in the industry. And um, but but before I begin, I like to start with the beginning. And I interviewed Tony Corbell last week, and I had known like how he started in in the, in the industry, and and I always believe I always love to hear the origin story, what the spark was, or how you got into photography. Tell us tell us how you began in the photography world, and and you know your kind of your journey over the last I would say it's probably twenty five thirty years. Or 40-ish. <laughs> <laughs> I was, and it actually it was about 1981, so about 40 years ago. I was married at the time, my first wife, and there was a guitar I wanted. And she looked at me and says, you have two guitars. She goes, don't you want a camera still? And I go, yeah. She goes, well, you have to pick one. So I thought, well, she's right. I want a camera. I want a better camera. Because I was using a little old World War II 35 millimeter. So I got me a camera, and from there, it literally within a year of that, I was photographing seniors, and it was kids. I didn't know anything to how to do any kind of photography whatsoever. So my deal was I went and got Cosmopolitan, Vogue, L, GQ magazines, and looked, saw what they were doing, and figured out how they were lighting it, and that's what I did. And so my stuff didn't look like anyone else's stuff, and it snowballed, and within. Within about five years, I was full time and had quit my job. So wow. Um, so it's funny that you say the guitar because you're probably like the eighth or ninth person that I've interviewed who said I had a choice to buy another camera or buy a guitar. <laughs> I don't know whether whether it's a it's 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 a generational <laughs> thing or not, but it is so funny that you say that you were you you wanted to choose between that and the guitar. Are you still playing the guitar? I do. I'm I'm not good at it. I'm way better at photography. <laughs> I can make a living on one of them. The other one I can't. So, <laughs> but I have a lot of guitars. One of them. Yeah. Yeah. So and and tell us, you're based in in Idaho, North you, Idaho. Yeah, you've been yeah, based. I mean, it's a very small area. It's forty thousand people. 
there's two towns, Lewiston and Clark's, and they're side by side. It's where Lewiston Clark wintered way back when, and it's it's a beautiful area. It's in fact, it's just now starting to get discovered, which sucks because it's people <laughs> in California are coming up and yes. hundred thousand dollars over cash to buy out people's houses now, but there's yeah. no why. Right. So, yeah. No, I've been hearing about the the migration from California. Because you're still on Pacific time zone and it's not that far. It's not as far as some other places in the country. And it is a beautiful part of the country, which I, I, honestly, I, I haven't spent a lot of time in, in, in that part of the world. One of these days, I'm going to get up there to visit you. Maybe I'll buy a motorcycle and, and make, a, make a trip up there. Or just, I have three. So just, <laughs> <laughs> I've got friends that have done that. So. Well, first I have to learn how to ride a motorcycle. Oh, well, that's important, yes. <laughs> so you you spent most of your career, so your entire career has been shooting seniors, and that's it. No, I it's I'm kind of a jack of all trades. You, it's a small town. You have to do all of it. I I've I've shot out of a helicopter for commercial work for a, the the mill here in town. I've um, weddings, children. I I have to really kind of do it all. Okay. Okay. So yeah, but, but from what I see these days, it seems like you do do a, probably a majority of your work as seniors and yes. then, yeah. Okay. So talk to me about being the jack of all trades. Cause you, I know our industry tends to push us towards being a specialist in something. And I've always believed that if you have your hats in a lot of different places and you could still specialize in something. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Obviously you specialize in seniors, but you kind of branch out a little bit on that. What advice can you offer on that? I think, I think it's photography is photography. I think it's, it's my, my niche has always been relationship. And Mm -hmm. so it's not just photographing a senior or a family. It's actually, the relationship between people or, or getting that relationship that kid has with his parents in a way that I photograph it and the parents go, Oh my God, he nailed it. This is my son. This is my son. And they get excited about it. And so it's taking a tool and being able to work any kind of situation that any scenario I'm put into, I'm able to deal with it. And if someone says, can you photograph the mill from, you know, 1300 feet, I'm going, (laughs) Yeah, I can do that. Uh, it's just a camera. It's it's just light. Everything's right. about light. Yeah, and and having that well-rounded experience is 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 where it's at. And I think one of the things that I've admired about you over the years is you're not afraid to push the envelope and and being a well-rounded craftsman has helped doing that. Very much so. And I think one of the the, the questions that I have and I think most important question I have for you is as somebody who myself, and, and maybe this question is just for me, <laughs> it's just you and me talking, <laughs> how it's staying, you always seem to be, you, you stay fresh and you're excited about the work that you do. Talk to me about how you manage to stay relevant and how you manage to to stay in, in people's minds and, and, and that creative process. Is there a process or it's just, I'm all over the place all the time and, and that's just how I do it. That's what's kind of the my- process of, what's Digger's process? <laughs> it is kind of, I always said I was a windows 10 or whatever windows first came out, you know, cause it's, you'd have all these different windows popping up at all the different times. And I remember I would, would be in a fight sometimes with, 
with an ex-wife and we were right in the middle of it, I'd turn around and look and go, hey, did you see that picture of such and such? And it would just drive her nuts because a window would pop up in my head in the middle of an argument that was like, oh, I saw something really cool. I got to tell you before I forget. And and then I could go back to the fight and she would just sit there and go scratch her head and I go, that just drives me nuts. You do that. And it's my brain works that way, though. Just it shifts gears constantly. I I'm lucky that I'm surrounded friend wise with some of the most talented people in the industry. OK. You know, okay. I mean, I mean, you look at Ben Shirk and Dan McClanahan and, and, and Dave Junior. And you look at these guys and and these are people that I I I love their work. And it's kind of funny because like Dan and Ben, I remember them coming to classes and stuff and just sitting there watching them and they'd ask all these questions and, and they are so beyond me. And mm. so what happens is as I watch their stuff and I see it and I'm around these people, I, I pick up on it and I, their enthusiasm is just infectious and the way they see things. So I, I am constantly trying to look at things from a different angle. What, what would this look like if I did this instead of this? And if I use this wide angle lens right here instead of my long lens. So I, and I, I photograph daily. So it's okay. we're a working studio. We're just, there's always sessions. There's just, there's no real downtime except for when I take downtime. And so I'm always looking for something to make that session a little more interesting or something fun, something in it that is more unique to that kid. And it's just constantly pushing myself. And I think that's your answer is really interesting. And there's a couple of things that I kind of want to unpack from that a little bit. What, number one is surrounding yourself by people who inspire you, which is an easy thing to say, right? But it's 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 easy to surround yourself with people that inspire you. But you have a great relationship with those guys, and and I need to get both of them on my show. But Dan and Ben, Dan McClanahan and Ben Shirk are definitely two photographers in our community that are just very, very talented people. They're very different from each other. Um, and they constantly continue to innovate each and every year. And they are very, very technically proficient photographers, which is not who I am at all. And um, I don't think you are as well. No. Um, not, not that you're not technically proficient. No. You, you just, you create, right? And you figure out how to do it. They're very, they're very, very calculated in the way that they do things. And, and, but what I think is really interesting about what you say is like, we surround ourselves by people, but quite often we surround ourselves by people that, and then we try and emulate them. Right. And we try and be like them. And I see this happen so much in our community to a fault because you're never going to be Ben Shirk. I'm never going to be Dan McClanahan, but you recognize those things and you, you figure out how to, how to make them work for you. And that's what makes you unique and why you've been able to stay inspired and, and, and work from those. And I find that a lot of photographers will get very frustrated with that. And it's those who manage to pull out the threads from, from those relationships Yes. in that way. And yeah, totally. So along those lines, I know you've had a lot of adventures with them. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> We could probably tell some crazy stories of just the three of you, but can you, I, I always, I like to ask, is there a crazy story that happened to you during a shoot? And I know that I asked you this yesterday, so I'm curious if you could share a story like that. So one of my favorites, and I've told this a hundred times, I have a, 
a session. I'd sat and I do consultations with everyone. So I meet every kid, every client, and we go over the session. Well, I had this kid, and he was kind of quiet and not really into the consultation. Well, the day of the session, I go out front, and my office manager, who's been with me like 19 years now, wow. she said, oh, just so you know, so-and-so is here, and he said he's not happy about being here and just told his mom that he's going to flip you off. <laughs> And so I go, oh, okay. So we go to the back. Um, we go on location for the first shoot. And as we come back, I've connected with this kid. I've connected with him in that, that first little 10, 15 minutes. And he's looking at the back of the camera. And I believe everything has to be in camera. I don't want to have to do it in post. I want, when they look at it, if I'm using off-camera light, they see the picture. They're excited. So he's looking at He's like, oh, my God, these are amazing. These are so – I look like a model. These are so good. And he's just gab, blah, 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 you know, spitting his guts out. And he goes, what am I doing next? What am I doing next? And so we get back to the studio. We photograph everything. We get all done, two hours of the session, and he is, like, flying high. He mm -hmm. has had the greatest time. He goes, Mike, this was so much fun. He goes, I go, oh, I see on here there's a, a picture that we have to take. And he goes, huh? And I go, there's a picture we didn't take. And he goes, what is it? I go, I said, I said you're going to flip me off. <laughs> he is mortified. He goes, oh my God, Mike, no, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, 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 no. And I go, no, no, no. I've thought about this for the last two hours ago. We have to take this picture. <laughs> and he goes, what? And I go, we have to take the picture. I go, I've been thinking about it for two hours. I go, well, we're doing your pictures. This is what I'm thinking about. So I go, hold on though. And I, I take a picture and he just flips me off. I go, that's it. <laughs> this is for two hours. I thought about this, and that's all you're giving me. It's just a flip off. And I go, hold on. I go and grab my 16 millimeter, and I get down low, and I'm doing a Johnny Cash picture. Okay, got, I was gonna say this awesome is the best Johnny Cash. Yes, and I go. You've got to get some heart into this. I go. Come on, give give me everything. I go. I want you to yell it, yell it. And so he is yelling "f you." He's got his hand down on my face, and the, the wide angles exaggerating it, and it's lit for it, and um doing like six, seven pictures and different takes and he is yelling at me. Okay. <laughs> so we get, he's looking at the back camera. He's just ecstatic. He thinks this is so cool. So we're walking up front as we walk up front, my office manager sitting with a client on one side of the lobby and that's a big lobby. And the other side is his mom and his little sister and everyone's dead quiet. And they're just staring at us as we walk up the hallway. I mean, just staring. Jamie's like, and she goes, you okay? And um, the mom goes, Everything okay, honey? <laughs> they can hear. <laughs> and so we start laughing. So I, I pull the camera out and show the mom, and she's laughing and thinks it's so funny. And um, Jamie's like, everything's good? And I go, yeah, everything's good. It's good. We just did a picture of him here, and I showed it to her. And they're laughing. And um, their album, the last two-page spread of the album, was three images of that kid flipping me off. <laughs> I mean, the mom just thought that was the coolest thing ever and the kid loved it and um yeah but i just and that and that's a great story and 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 i definitely in my my limited experience with shooting seniors so growing up in the new york area there was no seniors there were just like the high school senior market didn't exist so now that i'm in st louis I've embraced it and started shooting some seniors. So like I waited 30 years of my career to start shooting oh. seniors, which has been a blast for me because uh, I love, I have teenage kids now, so I can relate to them a little bit better than, than I, I ever have been. And uh, it's, it's great seeing their personalities and, but shooting 
shooting uh, shooting guys is hard. And so I can totally relate to that. I, I did I did a senior session this past fall, and uh, the kid was not into it at all. And you're right. You have to find a connection with them in some way, shape, or form. And if you can do it, it's magic, right? It and, is. And I'm sure that, that, that's just across the board. Uh, and it, it sure, most of the the girls that, that we shoot in high school seniors, they're into it, right? And so getting them to do different stuff is, 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 isn't as hard, but finding that connection and, and then to finding something like, I'm going to flip them off. Sure. sure why not? Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's a funny story. I'm, I'm just kind of flipping through your work as, as we do this and you can see the, the kids' personalities and all that. And you said that you do, you said that this, this cell sessions a little bit, can you talk to me a little bit about, do you do your cell sessions immediately after you do your shoots? Or can you walk me through that, how you, you process a little bit? We, um, I will like, I'll photograph on like on a Saturday or a Friday, we'll say Friday. That's a Friday session. And the following Friday, they come back in for their sales appointment. Okay. But we have about a, we schedule about a week apart and all okay. the scheduling is done when on that very first phone call, when they, very first call and say they wouldn't need photography that's our cue to when someone says they need photography if they've called me everything i've spent my money on for marketing has just happened okay literally the fact that they called and said they need photography is our job to get them booked because they've they've responded to my advertising they need photography. If I don't book them, the next person who's going to be a better salesperson is going to book them. So our job is to book them. As soon as we book them, right there on the spot, they pay a two hundred dollar um, retainer. They pay okay. a um, session fee, and it's on the credit card. And then, and my sales manager she goes through all this stuff, and then they immediately have an appointment for a consultation. They okay. have an for their session, and then they have an appointment for their sales. Oh wow. And we don't call it like a any fancy name. It's a sales appointment. We okay. want people to understand when they're coming in, they're spending money. There's so we don't have any of those people show up saying, "Oh, we didn't know that um, this was a sale. We, we were supposed to spend money today." I didn't. <laughs> you know, they know it's it says sales appointment. So there's no miscommunications. Also, we don't ever have problems with that where the moms don't plan on spending money. They and they know that if the husband doesn't show, he knows it's going to cost him money. So he has to show up, to, <laughs> which then you get dads in there with their daughter and um, the dads need to be restrained. And we live in the jet boat capital of the world. There are I, like 17 or 18 manufacturers here for jet okay. boats. Almost all the jet boats come out of our valley. And interesting. My, my office manager will sit there and at some point he'll go, boy, that's $100 for an 8 by 10 And she goes, how much does it cost to gas up your um, jet boat? <laughs> for to go up the river and it runs like 200 and 300 dollars just to fill a jet boat with fuel <laughs> so she does this stuff pretty quick because she happens she does her homework and knows that well it's a smaller town so everyone knows they, everyone knows he just got himself a 30 foot jet boat <laughs> river and, yeah so that kind of nips out in the bud pretty quick well understanding your clients and understanding the, you know, you finding the value and the need, but sometimes you need to point out the need as well to yeah. to the parents and 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 that. So we're coming out of COVID now. 
Obviously, it's been a tough year for a, a lot of people, and I'm glad that we've made it 20 minutes. Uh, when I began this podcast, that's all we talked about was COVID, and so I'm glad that, that we're out of it now. I'm still here. Um, and uh, coming out of COVID, talk to me about your experience of what it was like for the last year and where you're at now. Let's start at the beginning. So, Okay. Yeah. COVID they, hits. Last COVID hits, and we lost $175,000 in contracts just within two weeks. It was yeah. gone. Vaporized. Yeah. And we were scrambling. I mean, it was like we've never had – in all the years we've been in business, we've never laid off employees during the slow time. Right. We've never – we've always been able to maintain a full crew, our, our regular people. And we were sitting there scrambling, and we were like, I don't know how we're going to do this. And we were really close to shutting our doors for good. It was, um, we, I mean, I, I just, you start using your savings, you know, your emergency money and, right. and we've always had this money saved up and man, it, it went pretty quick and we were fortunate because we own our building. Okay. And so we didn't have our rent to have to worry about, but we also had paying tenants that didn't want to lose their spaces. So they were making their payments. So we had income coming in from that. And then when the PPP loan or whatever came in, um, we jumped on that and all the stuff that we could do, but we just held on as, I mean, if we'd have gone probably another two months, we'd have probably shut our doors. It would have been wow. done. And we were getting, we were getting that close to it, but we, um, persevered and kind of, as soon as, as soon as the schools could, they were like going, we want pictures, we want pictures. Okay. And, we started getting our contracts back and we were back in business. And so now we're right back. In fact, we actually now have the whole school district in our town. We just finally signed that contract oh, wow, congrats. back stronger than we were before. But then, now we're trying to find employees. Right. Right. And, and I think that's a, that's across the board, finding employees for, to do things like that. Um, congrats on getting, the school district, uh, I know how hard that can be. And you're right. There is, it's like gangbusters. Now people need photography and businesses back open again. And what I found is that the successful studios like yourself who made it through their biggest challenge right now is just finding enough hours in the day to get things done and employees and, you know, moving forward, how, how are you going to, to deal with that? So let's go back again. And, you know, as far as advice is concerned for a newer photographer, uh, I know that you've been involved with PPA and, and a lot of that stuff as well. What advice can you offer to photographers who are now coming up in, in this current climate? I think the, the biggest thing I would encourage people to do is find people to be with that, that, that are also like do photography. When I first started photography, I was kind of all by myself. There was no one. And I had a kid, there was a friend of mine that was, um, we, we became friends because of photography and he now he's the, the owner of black rapid camera straps. And he okay. and I, we, we started out doing self assignments, you know, we'd sit there and okay, we have to do a candy shoe ad or we had to do a Levi's ad. And we'd sit there and disappear for a week or whatever and come back together and show our pictures and what we came up with. And it, it was just challenging each other constantly. And I think 
I think that was a huge jump for me at the very start was that I had that someone that I could kind of talk to that as a, like, and it was, I wouldn't say a mentor, but it was like just someone that enjoyed what I enjoyed and was like, what do you think of this? What do you think I should do here? What would you have done? And then we kind of went back and forth and we did that for a couple of years till he moved away to Seattle. And from there I learned the value of that so that as soon as I got involved with you know, PPI and PPA and stuff like that. And after dark and light pro, I, I, I surrounded myself with that. And just that's where I had seen the, already seen the value in that and the relationships with other photographers. Yeah. And I can't, I can't, I can't, that's absolutely right. Finding a community that you can be part of that, uh, people who want to help you and you've definitely been a, such a, supportive person in our industry and gave back in your own way for all those people that helped you when you were first getting started in photography and i and i thank you for that because you're always a smiling face in the crowd you're always hanging out after hours you're always you're always around and and, and local chapters are definitely a great play, place to start no matter where you are in the country local uh, uh ppa chapters are a good place to start after dark hopefully is uh on its way back again so we can all be together maybe for one of those in the future. That would be really neat. That'd be it was good. fun to be in Austin uh, last month. Um, okay, so now to, to finish up, i not photography related at all. I am interested in becoming a motor, uh, riding a motorcycle <laughs> and getting started. And um, where do I start? I would <laughs> definitely start, get like a 250, uh-huh. just something cheap, something that, a 250 will get you like 75 miles to the gallon. You yeah. buy something like that, something that's lightweight, that's easy to get the balance, get the feel for, and it's disposable. And just ride it and then get used to it. And then from there, you literally, um, you can go to a Sportster. A Sportster, we always make jokes about it being a girl's bike. A Sportster is a bar hopper. It's okay. a, they're faster, they're lean, they're mean, and they're just a fun little bike that's my my chopper is based on it is a sportster frame okay and it's i mean it, it'll front tire will come off really quick you know and it's got the 16 inch shape so you sit and ride like this it's it's so the sportster is a good little like a a basic bike to start on yeah. to get bigger bike but if you don't get rid of it you can do something fun with it later on you can actually do all sorts of change it out to something totally different Okay. And make a, a, a bar hopper out of it. But from then, then you go and get your V-twins, your bigger bikes, like the Indians or the um, the Heritage, the bigger um, Harleys and stuff like that. But once you once you kind of learn on the one and you get used to it, it's just bigger. Right. You know, and, and I'm and, not too old to learn how to ride a bike? No, not at all. <laughs> In fact, you know what's funny is I, I remember years ago, someone saying, I don't think I could ride that bike. And I go, I, go, I want to show you something. And we went downtown and there was a a lady that rode a Harley in on my street and she was short. I mean, she, she was like five, two or something like that and kind of a heavier set woman. And that woman would get on her little fat boy and straddle across it. And she'd had it lowered. And, um, she rode that bike. And I, I remember seeing her thinking if she can ride that bike, anyone can ride a bike. Right. It's there's, there's no one, there's no one that can't. Because she is literally limited by her size, and she jumps on that thing. So, uh, 
I just came back from a trip that was I know, like I saw that. Pennsylvania to Florida. It was it was amazing, and it I got cut short on it, and I had to split off because I was like we'd wasted a couple days in Florida, and all of a sudden I'm looking doing the numbers. It's like I have to do 500 miles a day to get home. <laughs> My session, I'm sitting there going, those are long days on a bike. Yeah. So it was it was hauling ass home, and I got home, but it was. I missed a lot of stuff doing right. that. So well, yeah, when you're going that fast, you of, of, of course, and and that's the thing. I, growing up on the East Coast, I don't think I'd ever really considered riding a motorcycle, just because unless you're in upstate New York, there's just not a lot of places that I would feel safe riding a motorcycle, especially in New Jersey. Uh, but out here, I'm constantly saying to myself, "God, this would be such an amazing." place to ride like just going west and out to you and, and making road trips just seems like it would be a really fun thing to do it's it's addictive it really yeah. is yeah and it, you know, it's funny there's times that well we would go as a family we'd go on vacations and i would go can i ride my bike and so my ex-wife she'd go well um yeah i'll drive the kids and the kids can take turns riding on the bike with you because I, I, I can't stand the idea of having to drive somewhere. <laughs> get on the motorcycle and go, I'm up at like 6 a.m. ready to go. Yeah. You know? It's it's two different mindsets for me. Yeah. And one, I can't wait to leave. And the other one, I'm uh, on a motorcycle, I'm up and ready to go at the crack of dawn. In a car, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I go, okay, I really need to leave town. I got to go. I got to do right. this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe you've inspired me to to look into that a little more. Although my wife, I'm not sure if she's going to agree with with you with it. She's like, who's this Dinger guy? <laughs> Dinger said I should get a bike. Dinger said. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for chatting with me today. It's it's great uh, catching up with you. And uh, are you going to be out there teaching anywhere anytime soon, or what's 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 uh, what's the future? I I was hoping to do After Dark, but that was right in the middle of my motorcycle trip. Right. So I actually haven't even put my name out there for anything this year. I've just kind of enjoyed I I live in Idaho and so North Idaho and so everything is a full day travel. Right. Three flights. So the right. travel I just I've gotten where I just hate to travel. And I if I find something fun to do, I'll do it. But it, for the most of it, I the idea of having to spend a full day traveling to somewhere and then a full day traveling yeah. back, okay. it just doesn't yeah. work. Well, we'll have to do an after dark in Idaho. Yeah, we can do a Portland one again. That was always a, that was a fun one. Right, right. Well, no, I don't need an excuse to go to Portland. Anyway, we're thirty minutes. That's okay. where I like to wrap up here. It is great catching up with you again. Mike, I uh, hope to see you out there sometime soon. And thank you for being on this week's episode of Something New Every Week. Well, thank you, Jason. I enjoyed myself. Thanks again for tuning into Something New Every Week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do enjoy these episodes, I love it if you hit that subscribe button on however you're listening to this. Again, we want to thank our sponsor, Miller's Lab, millerslab.com. Great company. If you're not familiar with them, you should go check them out. Thanks again for tuning into something new every week. We will see you back here next week.